Welcome to Copilots, the podcast where we watch not just the first episode of a show, but also the second. Some shows don't have the best pilot episode, and you're in that second chance. Might just change your mind. And here at Copilots, we take that chance for you and let you know our opinion on if a show deserves more than one shot. I'm Justice. Alongside me is my co-pilot, Josh. Now, let's get ready for takeoff. Your in-flight entertainment this time will be The Adventures of Rocky and Bullies. This one's just called Rocky and Bullwinkle. I don't know, man. There's it's a, it's a 2018 version. Now, before we dive into this, I do want to say we're recording this a couple days before Gen Con. Yeah. Because we are going to Gen Con. Wait, we are? Yeah. Oh, crazy. It's the Copilot's Review Return to Gen Con. Woo! Because we haven't been since the Panini. Yeah, so since 2019. 2019 was the last time we went. But that also is, is what's influencing this episode of Copilot's Review. Because there's a little podcast, not very well known... Not not quite as big as co-pilots called uh, System Mastery. I feel like some of this or all of it was facetious and incorrect. Called System Mastery, and they review out-of-print role-playing games. They do. And at Gen Con, they're hosting a live show because they're smaller than us. Can they can actually like have just a single room at Gen Con? Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, it's because they're actually large enough to actually get people to attend a live recording at Gen Con. Yes. And they're reviewing the Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, the role-playing game. Yeah, which I believe they picked up. Last, at 2019 Gen Con. Yeah, last time they were there. Yeah. Because they have also not been back since Panini. You can say the word pandemic. We don't have sponsors and none of this is going to go into what I put in the SEO anyways. Well, eventually when this gets put on YouTube. You YouTube... act like I'm going to take the... I have given up on that. I, I don't <laughs> care. Eventually when it gets to YouTube, we need to avoid words like pandemic and murder and the R word for sexual assault. No, and, those episodes just won't be monetized. It's fine. But so because they're reviewing that and they're one of the major reasons we're going to Gen Con. We're reviewing this. Well, I mean, originally we were going to review the 1959 Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yes, but there's there's a couple problems with that. First, one of the one of the premises of our show is that neither of us have ever seen the show before. Yeah, we've kind of thrown that out the window. Yeah, here and there. While flying a mile above the ocean, mm-hmm. like Blue's Clues, we've both seen Blue's Clues. Yeah, we just kind of. Have decided if neither of us can remember the show or no, we haven't seen the first episode because I've never seen the first episode of Blue's Clues. Yeah, or um, in the circumstance where we have a guest, if two of the three people haven't seen the show. Yeah, and but in the case of something like The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle and Friends, or The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, or Rocky and Bullwinkle, those are all the same name for one show. Yeah, even though I know I've seen a bunch of episodes of that show, I don't know if I've seen the first two, and uh, I don't remember enough about it. To, yeah, so. We were going to review the original Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoon. But it is very much a cartoon from its time, by which we mean kind of just frenetic and all over the place, and thus very hard to go into any actual detail that matters. And also, it's got a little bit of the Blue's Clues problem, where it assumes that the first episode isn't the first episode you've seen. Yeah. So, just starts in the middle of the story, essentially. I mean, Soda is the new one. The new one starts in media res. Yes, but immediately rewinds. Yeah. 
Speaking of, the new series is just called Rocky and Bullwinkle. I mean, it's called The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. I literally went to its IMDb page just mm. now to check to make sure I had the name of one of the voices right. And I did. My bad. So, yeah. It's from 2018. And I don't know if this is the Amazon Prime original or if the animated movie is the Amazon Prime original. I was unaware anything about it was Amazon Prime original, so. Mm. But the first episode is episode one, Stink of Fear. Yes. Chapter one. And we start with a narrator who well, is... I mean, before we dive into that, I want to get into the episode naming, naming convention for the series. Yeah. Because this Rocky and Bullwinkle series has story arcs. Yeah, there's like 26 episodes and it's all separated into story arcs. Like... Five episode or four episode story arcs. Yeah. The so, first one is Stink of Fear and it has five parts. This is chapter one. Episode two is, spoilers, Stink of Fear chapter two. And that means we do not conclude the Stink of Fear story arc. We don't know what happens. No, no, we do not. But we'll get into episode one. Sorry, just as you wanted to start. So this episode starts with an introduction by our narrator who is just like mentions, hey, we're following our heroes, Rocky and Bullwinkle, Rocky the squirrel, the flying squirrel and Bullwinkle the moose. I think his name is Rocket J Squirrel. Yeah, but he's called Rocky. Mm-hmm. And our narrator, you may recognize his name is Darren Norris. He's done a lot of voice acting gigs over the time. Um, played the janitor in Ned's Declassified School Survivor Guide. Okay. He voiced Cosmo. He voiced Mr. Turner. He voiced Jorgen. So he's just like a Disney like staple. I mean, sorry, a Nickelodeon staple. Yeah, he was. But he's also, he was in iZombie. He played Johnny Frost in that. He was in the Veronica Mars TV show. He's done stuff for Star Wars, The Old Republic. Like he's done a lot of voice work, but he did do a lot of it with Nickelodeon. Yes. I do just want to say, you said this started with the narrator, but it actually starts with Bullwinkle pulling Rocky out of a hat and then Rocky fishing Bullwinkle up to the moon. For the DreamWorks logo, and I yeah, thought yeah, that yeah. was I thought that was a little clever DreamWorks to, like logo. Yeah, work. yeah, but, but yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say that's the start of the episode. That is intro panel stuff. But fair, fair enough. It. Fair enough. But yeah, and it opens like you said in media res. Mm-hmm. They Rocky and Bullwinkle are flying around Prague. Yes, on a pie, clinging onto a pie. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Bullwinkle eventually falls off, and Rocky and the Pie fly up into the stratosphere. Oh, and Rocky explodes. does say, "We got to get this out of town before yeah. it, we got to get this out of the city before it explodes." And then Bullwinkle falls off, and Rocky flies into the sky and assumedly dies. But the narrator's like, "Is this the end of our flying squirrel friend?" Probably not. It's only the first episode. Yeah, and so now we're gonna do an intro, expensive and flashy intro, exciting and expensive title sequence. I think is what he says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it has a special song just for this five-episode arc, because they're definitely yeah. not using this song after... I would assume not. Yeah. And it's actually, the song is good. Yeah, the song is good. The intro sequence takes heavily from anime aesthetics, which, understandable, anime intros are well-known for reasons. And then we get into the actual episode, and we go back several days before this all started. Yeah, anime intros are just vibes. Mm-hmm. Like, a good anime intro is just something you can throw on and watch. I mean, it's honestly the same reason why AMVs ever existed. Someone was just like, yo, if you cut anime to the right music, it's fantastic. So, that's the entire reason AMVs were a thing in, like, 2009 to, like, 2012. Honestly, if it wasn't so much copyright violation... I would look into doing AMVs, but like <laughs> we now exist at a time period where you, you can, can't do an you AMV. You can never earn money from an AMV, and you'll yeah. probably get your YouTube account banned if you make yeah, it's too many AMVs. Be, it's either going to get flagged because of the music, or it's going to get flagged because you're using so much animation. Yeah, everything like, about it. It's just like, no, nah, that's not going to happen. AMVs were so cool, though. Yeah. There, there was a Bleach one set to Alisana's. Tilting now um, or less. It's which it was so good. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! I got it's it. actually how I found that Alisana song so, and it, album. Like I'd already. 
no one else had a it's from like, from like the first ep right it's from like where myth fades yeah i think it's from where myth fades oh no it's from fro fro wings mm, fro wings of anything that wax yeah yeah we're on the wrong subject sorry Rocky and Bullwinkle, a few days earlier, are in their home in Frostpoint Falls, Minnesota. Yes. And it starts with, like, them arguing, like, talking about beating each other up. Yeah, we hear it before we see them, because we're panning down. We hear them arguing and fighting, talking about how they're going to beat each other up, or how I've got you now. And we push down into the house, and we see a very muscular Bullwinkle and a very muscular Rocky fighting each other. And then we pull away from that, and they're playing a wrestling game. Mm-hmm. Because all the cool kids like wrestling. I'm sorry, did you just equate these two cartoon characters to cool kids? Rocket J. Squirrel is definitively a cool kid. Rocket J. Squirrel is definitively the kid who thinks he's cool because he has one niche thing he's good at or niche interest and is super hype about it. But, like, he's too much for anyone. Have you seen his aviator cap? He is a cool dude. I'm gonna disagree with you, but that's fine. Only cool dudes wear aviator caps everywhere they go. I don't think that's true. It's called committing to a bit, and you have to do it to be cool. Hmm. I would argue most of society thinks people who commit to bits aren't cool. I appreciate a good committing to a bit, but I feel like the majority of society is like, you're doing all that just for a joke. They don't appreciate it for some reason. Which is weird because like people love comedy. Yeah, right. It's either way though. Back to the show. A bell goes off. Yes. And well, before the bell goes off. They start actually fighting. And antics and gags and ensu- mm-hmm. gags ensue. It's just slapstick upon slapstick upon slapstick. Yeah. And the narrator tries to actually break them up. He's like, hey guys, stop. You're friends. And then the bell goes off. Mm-hmm. And the bell is because there's a pie in the oven. Yep. It's a timer for Bullwinkle's pie that he has made to compete in the local cooking festival, wherever it is. Frostpoint Falls Pie Contest. Yeah. And he hopes to win it because if he wins, he gets entrance to participate in La Grand Yum Yum, which is a food contest held in Paris, France. Once a year, where master chefs compete to be the master yum yum. Yes. Bullwinkle is convinced that this pie is going to be his ticket to victory. Whereas Rocky, upon sniffing it, screams in disgust. Yeah, and it's me like, hey, we should just not take that pie there. We should do something else. We shouldn't do this at all. And Bullwinkle says... You're just smelling it wrong with your squirrel nose. Yeah, so Bullwinkle grabs the pie and goes to walk out of the house, and Rocky stops him, and he's like, we shouldn't enter that pie, we really shouldn't. Like, that's a bad idea, and Bullwinkle's just like, nah, you just don't know what you're talking about. Should be noted, this is Grandma Winkle's yeah. pie recipe, so we skip to the pie contest. Well, actually, from there, we travel to Pottsylvania, oh, yeah, where we meet Evil Leader, who I believe is also voiced by Darren Norris. The Fearless Leader. Fearless not, Leader, you're yeah, right, Yeah, not sorry. Evil Leader. Yeah, and... He's just this over-the-top megalomaniac dictator who wants to be taken seriously, but isn't. He's upset because his country is always the butt end of jokes and being ignored. Yes. And so, because he's been ignored, he has created a doomsday cannon. Mm-hmm. It looks like a uh, observatory, mm-hmm. and but it's actually a giant laser that they're getting ready to prepare to fire. But it doesn't work. Yeah, they push the button to fire the laser, and it all just kind of falls apart and falls into the ocean. And Fearless Leader is sad because he just wants to rule the world. Mm-hmm. He just wants to rule the world, guys. He's just a he's just a little guy and it's his birthday. Yeah. He just wants to rule the world. So he laments his super weapon is gone and wishes there was another super weapon out there. And then we got back to the actual part of the pie contest. Where everybody has their dishes ready to present, mm-hmm. and then Bullwinkle's pie bursts open on its own. Yep. Release a noxious stench, which knocks everyone else out. And he is declared winner of the pie contest by forfeit, basically. Because nobody else can present, present their, their dish. stuff. Yeah. So then we cut back to Fearless Leader, and he has sent for Natasha and Boris. 
his top two evil spies. BC has learned of the spy and he needs them yeah. to acquire it. He sees it on like a news channel. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm going to send these two to go get it. We get like brief intros for both of them where we just see them doing spy stuff. Boris and Natasha have always had a, a will they, won't they hate each other relationship. And yeah. it's always kind of an implied, even in the classic Rocky and Bullwinkle, mm-hmm. that they had a relationship in the past. Yeah. But they continue that in this. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the dynamic. They're, yeah. they're very fun. When it enters them, we kind of just get told their history. Natasha's just a highly competent femme fatale, basically. And Boris was abandoned, raised by wolves, grew up on the streets, became a gang leader at the age of like 12, rose up, leads the entire underground crime syndicate of Fearless Leaders Nation, which honestly, I don't understand. Natasha is a spy. Everything we're told about Natasha makes her a spy. Everything we're told about Boris does not make him a spy. No, he's a gangster and a thug. The only way he's a spy is he has to be, I assume, a relatively new spy compared to Natasha in this circumstance. Because I assume once he rose to, hey, I control the entire underground crime syndicate of this entire country. Well, you can't. Pull- Fearless leader was just like, hey, you work for me now. And Boris was just like, sure, I'll tell you everything that's happening. Only way he became a spy. Fair enough. I was going to say, you can't just pull him out of that position then yeah no, that no, you a leave him in. vacuum and yeah you leave him in and that's how he's your spy now he reports directly to the government the government also would assumedly have to control the underground crime in Pennsylvania, which arguably probably makes it one of the safest countries in the world mm-hmm. so i don't understand why people don't respect Pennsylvania. so anyways natasha and boris hate each other which leads to a comedy bit ensuing where boris doesn't want to get in the elevator mm-hmm. because he doesn't want to work with natasha but after he leaves the, the fearless leader gives directions to the camera to pan in and zoom in on him mm-hmm. as he laughs maniacally. Yeah. This show incredibly enjoys breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's not even always worth the bit, though. No, not normally. Then we join up with Rocket and Bullwinkle as they are arriving at the airport to go to Paris. Yes. And here we find that the spies are already there and they're following them. They're just talking about how, oh, so what we need to get is that recipe, which is in his glove because Bullwinkle showed it after the contest. He's like, yeah. oh, it's all thanks to Grandma Bullwinkle's recipe. Which I always keep right here in my glove. Yes. But Grandma Winkle is actually with them here mm-hmm. because she's going on her yearly vacation to Norway. And it gets dark early there and she wants to make sure Bullwinkle remembers to call her. So she gives him a note that says, call before the darkness. She even says it in like creepy old lady voice and says call before the darkness. Make sure you call before the darkness. Yes. And then... Honestly, that bit was hilarious. Mm -hmm. I may have rewound just to rewatch Grandma Winkle give that line delivery. Yeah. But also importantly here, Boros and Natasha are being spied upon by Agent One. Yeah. Well, I mean, more importantly first though is... As they're going through the airport, through the metal detector and getting their baggage and everything through, Boris and Natasha have disguised themselves as TSA agents mm-hmm. to try mm-hmm. to get the recipe, and they are just thwarted in a way that makes them makes them very incompetent, but makes Rocky and Bullwinkle look competent. Yes. Which is important because Norris and Boris and Natasha... Norris and Natasha. Boris and Natasha are themselves being spied upon by one, who is some spy we don't know, who is talking to the director, is all he calls the person on the other end of his walkie-talkie. Yeah. Yep. And then Agent 1 reports on how successful Rocky and Bullwinkle were at dispatching Boris and Natasha. And how they also have that very dangerous pie weapon. Mm-hmm. And they have no idea about 
Rocky Winkle overall. So one needs to keep an eye on them to make sure that they don't do anything horrendous with their pie. And then it's time for a commercial break. Yes. A very short break in which Bullwinkle breaks a vase with a hammer. Yep. It's a short break. And then we're back. And Rocky and Bullwinkle have arrived at a hotel and Natasha and Boris are just pretending to be maids trying to get the recipe again. No, you skipped something. You skipped a very important thing. What? You skipped the the only montage. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is a sl- which is a musical number and the actual only montage in the show in the episode. Yeah, and then they actually Rocky and Bullwinkle arrive at the hotel, and Bullwinkle takes Rocky up to the room. It's a room. It's the winners' room. It's filled with trophies. The bed is made of trophies. Earlier, we found out that Bullwinkle had made shirts that that. Hold on. I think it's here where we find out because he opens like his trunk or some shit. No, because he had three Master Yum Yum t-shirts made. One for oh yeah, yeah. Grandma Winkle, one for Rocket, and one for him. And it says Master Yum Yum on it. Yeah. And then here he's got the winter suite, which includes a bed made of trophies. And Rocket's just like, you know, it's kind of like bad luck. And like, yeah, this doesn't seem like a great idea to me. And Bullwinkle just like dies on the bed. And it's just like, he does a splat animation. Is laying in pain. It's just like, feels like victory to me. And yep. then we have the spies. Natasha and Boris coming in dressed as maids to try to get the recipe. When they walk in, the room looks perfectly fine, though. But Rocket's like, sorry, Rocky is like, we're sorry. Um, we're so glad you're here. We we need you to help clean up this mess because we've we've destroyed the place. Yeah, and like the room is fine, and like he's like, no, it's through here. It leads them through the door to the bathroom. And it's a fucking mess. There's water everywhere. There's hair. The bathtub is filled with hair, so the water can't drain. Mm-hmm. Which is literally the most disgusting thing in the world. Yeah. The sink has a ham in it, to which I think it's Natasha that questions it. That, that's a ham? Why is there a ham? And she's like, we're not answered. They're forced to clean it. Well, Rocky and Bullwinkle attempt to help, but Boris and Natasha brought a weapon that looks like a hand vacuum. Yes. And Rocky and Bullwinkle, in their attempt to help, grab that. Yes. So on one setting, it'll shoot like a paste glue that'll stick pe- to people. Mm-hmm. So their goal was to use it on Bullwinkle and then steal the recipe from him. But instead, they get pasted to a wall. Above the bathtub. And then the vacuum function of the thing pulls everything in, in the bathroom into it. Mm-hmm. And then when that doesn't work to help, like, help the two people stuck to the wall, Bullwinkle tries the other setting, which launches everything back out of the vacuum. Yes, because the vacuum has three settings. Glue, suck, and reverse. And now they're stuck to the wall and they get hit by a whole bunch of hair and gross stuff and a ham and... I'm pretty sure Boris gets hit with, like, a barrel or an anvil. Yeah. So... Then we have Rocket and... Then we have Rocky and Bullwinkle going to go into the contest. But it turns out you have to... First, you have to register, obviously. Mm -hmm. And part of registering is a thousand euro registration fee. And so Rocky looks over to Bullwinkle. He's like, okay. And Bullwinkle's like, I don't have any money left. I spent it all in the room and shirts. (laughs) To be fair, this one has a great joke where after he realizes he has no more money left, Bullwinkle turns to the person doing registration. It's like, but would you accept... No, no money? money? They don't. They don't accept no money. So Rocky and Bullwinkle go to busk just off site from the Eiffel Tower. It also, during this time, Bullwinkle, like you said, he's like, I can't believe I spent all that money on those custom shirts and the winter suite and a victory parade. And Rocky's yeah. like, a what? Yeah, yeah. So... They go set up a busking service, and their busking is a poke for a euro. Yeah, and... The a euro for a poke. The tourist comes up and goes, oh, that's a brilliant idea, and gives Bullwinkle a euro. And Rocky pokes her in the face. And she's like, wait, what? I, th- I was supposed to poke you. And he's like, that's not what the deal is. Why, why would we do that? 
And so when the woman showed up, a crowd immediately showed up behind her. And they were all ecstatic about the idea. The moment that they do that and she called them out, they all yell that they're scams and they want their money back. Though she is a, supposedly the first customer. Mm-hmm. So they've made zero money and they're busking fells. And Bullwinkle's like, oh, maybe I should just give up. I'm not never going to be master yum yum. It was never, I was never in the cards for me. I was never a good cook or chef to begin with. Yeah. It's just my grandmother's recipe. And then Rocket's, Rocky's like, no, you gotta do it. We've come all the way to Paris and you're going to succeed. Yes. And then we cut over to Natasha and Boris who are dressed ostensibly like Texans, I guess. American tourist is what they say. Yeah. And Boris's plan is to go over to their booth, give them the euro, and when Bullwinkle reaches out to grab the money, to just steal the glove and recipe. And they do. They go over, mm-hmm. and it works. They steal the glove, and then they run off, and Bullwinkle and Rocky give chase. They chase them all the way to the Eiffel Tower, and Natasha and Boris get in the elevator to go up, and Rocky and Bullwinkle well, are left taking be- the stairs. Before they get to the Eiffel Tower, they go through the Louvre. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, as they're running through the Louvre, they, they are exiting the Louvre. And we get one of those fun shots of just panning along the outside of the building. We see like little sound mm-hmm. symbols popping out by windows and hearing clatter and stuff. And they get ready to leave the Louvre and Bullwinkle goes, we can't leave without doing the Mona Lisa bit. We forgot to do a Mona Lisa bit. And as Rocky and Bullwinkle are talking about that, Natasha and Boris run up and they're like, we got... Natasha and Boris are the ones that realize they need to do a bit. Oh, yeah, sorry. They're like, the ones being chased. We need to do the Mona Lisa bit. So they're talking about that. And Rocky and Bullwinkle run up and they're like, we got... And you're like, wait, what are you guys talking about? They're like, we we have to do a bit with the Mona Lisa. And Rocky and Bullwinkle are like, oh, yeah. So they all go inside, draw a mustache and little goatee on the Mona Lisa. And they're like, all like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Classic bit. And then the, the chase, chase resumes. The chase resumes. And then the Eiffel Tower, mm-hmm. Natasha and Boris get the elevator. Rocky and Bullwinkle are forced to climb the stairs, but they beat the elevator to the top. Yes. And Rocky's like, great, we can surprise them and ambush them now. But Bullwinkle is distracted by a tourist telescope thing. Mm-hmm. And Fearless Leader shows up in a helicopter and drops a rope ladder for Natasha and Boris. Mm-hmm. And Bullwinkle's like, I bet that we can see our house from here. And he's like yeah. looking off in the distance. And then as Boris and Natasha come out of the elevator and start running to jump and grab the mm-hmm. lo- rope ladder, Bullwinkle goes, oh, silly me. Our house is in the other direction. It spins the telescope in the other way, clubbing them out of the air, yep. knocking them to the ground just as police show up. So Fearless Leader's like, fuck, fuck that, I'm out. Yep. But when they get hit, Boris lets go of the glove and he goes flying over the edge of the Eiffel Tower. So Bullwinkle dives after it. And then Rocky, being able to fly, because he's a flying squirrel, follows after Bullwinkle. They're just falling for a really long time. Oh, Rocky has a brilliant line. He's like, Bullwinkle, I can't lose you. It's only the first episode. Yeah. So he's flying down after him, straining to fly fast enough to catch him. They're falling. They're falling. The crowd's gathering at the base. They're falling. The narrator interrupts and he's like, hey, guys. Are you, are you done falling yet? They're both like, no. No. So they're falling, they're falling, they're falling. And then Rocky manages to catch Bullwinkle just before he hits the ground. Mm -hmm. And all the people at the base of the Eiffel Tower thinks it's some big busking stunt and throw a bunch of money on the ground. Yep. Enough to cover them that when they go to leave, they just open the money. They open a door in the money, carrying handfuls of piece and walk off, leaving ostensibly a money hut. A moose-sized money hut. Yeah. And if you know anything about moose, they big. True. Agent One has been spying on them this whole time. Mm Mm-hmm. He takes some pictures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. We then see Agent One's home base, which is the headquarters of Yes. Agent One's boss is then revealed, and she's the director is basically based off of Waller from DC Comics. Agent Waller, you know, head of Blackgate for a while, and 
still ostensibly head of Blackgate, but more importantly, head of the Suicide Squad. At the end of this episode, the narrator asks a bunch of cliffhanger questions, and then he asks a question about asking too many questions, and then he asks if too many questions are going to make people not come back, and then it's a whole bit. Yeah. This entire show is bits. So, after episode one of The Adventures of Rocking Bullwinkle, Stink of Fear, what are your thoughts? I think we started this review talking about the importance of committing to bits and how that makes you a cool person. Yeah. I think this Rocking and Bullwinkle show is just a bunch of people committing to a singular bit called Rocky and Bullwinkle, Mm. and that makes them all very cool people. (laughs) But Uh, what about the show? Not the people who made it. What about the show? It's a bunch of tiny bits that don't always fit together and like... There's a bunch of slapstick that we didn't even mention going on in multiple places. Yeah, it's okay. Like, I think I would watch more of this before I went back and watched like old Bugs Bunny or something. Mm. Like, because I've seen a lot of Bugs Bunny, but this was... this was Like, that's, that's my level, but like, how often do I watch Bugs Bunny? Yeah, never. In the last like five years, once. Mm. Uh, Weird. So, probably not a thing for me. Like... I just slapstick cartoons are not my vibe. Although I do like the fourth wall breaking and the bits and the bits. And yeah, the fourth I got you. wall breaking. How about yourself? Um, yeah, I don't mind the fourth wall breaking stuff. Some of it's funny. Some of it misses. Some of the bits hit. Some of the bits miss. All on par with the cartoon. My biggest problem is it has a frenetic energy to it that, to me, reminds me of cartoons from like the 06 to like 09 era of the mid-aughts. And like that wasn't a type of cartoon I enjoyed. I don't need the high level of freneticness that this brought oh comparatively to its original 1959 i feel like the freneticness has been toned down i would agree instead of a young child hopped up on cocaine it's not just a young child hopped up on caffeine i don't want to be around either though that's a fair reasoning I will say, narrator is probably my favorite character thus far, though. Yeah, agreed. Just, just excellent. The narrator is a is the, like the, perfect, the star of the show. Perfect style of character for a show like this. Yeah. So onwards to episode two, which is Stink of Fear, chapter two. We get the same DreamWorks bit. Mm-hmm. Bullwinkle pulls Rocky out of a hat. Rocky flies up to the moon. Fishes Bullwinkle to the moon. And um, then we start the actual episode on a jail escape. Well, we start the episode with a previously on. Yeah. By the narrator. I ignored the previously on. I apologize. I would say... There we, were no good comedic bits in the previously on. I would say I agree, but like it is meant to be like not just be a previously on. It's a, it's still a bit in of itself. It's the yeah, narrator yeah, I get it. I'm bits. Just, like there are no good bits within that bit, and I'm not a fan of that bit itself. So. Mm-hmm. And then we do start... At the at Lagel, yes, because it's French, mm-hmm. and we just see Natasha and Boris escape. Uh, they're chained together, which they hate, and they Shawshank. Yeah, which I have to ask after a point: When do the Shawshank references ever stop in our pop culture? Are we never just never going to? So I think because at this Shawshank point, I feel like has most to... people don't know it's a Shawshank. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's just a thing that exists in the culture. And that's the thing. I. Th- think most people do know it's Shawshank still. The Shawshank is still cultural zeitgeist and it's gonna have to fade out of the zeitgeist before people like stop making references to it. I've just grown tired of it. I see it which, all the time everywhere. Which means it's probably still gonna be in shows and movies for like the next 20 years still. Gross. It's gotta, it's gotta become the generation after the generation that, that watched Shawshank. So, so my generation is probably the last generation like actively watched Shawshank. Yeah. Right? So it's gotta be not the Zoomers but when the Alphas are are starting are starting to make content gross 
Either yeah. way, yeah, they Shawshank themselves out. And then we cut to Rocket, to Rocky and Bullwinkle putting on uniforms. It's weird because his name is Rocket, but like but calling him Rocket yeah. feels wrong. Yeah. You don't thing, call him Rocket, Jay Squirrel. The thing is, calling him Rocket makes it harder for me to like confuse their names. Yeah. Because for some reason in my brain, Rocky is always the moose. Mm-hmm. But it's Bullwinkle's the moose. Rocky just feels like more of a moose name. Rocky feels like a moose name, but Rocket. Rocket's a flying squirrel name. Or a raccoon name. Rocket is a marsupial name. Yeah, that's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rocket is the no, name of a marsupial. No, flying squirrels aren't marsupials. Are they not? No. Also, I don't think raccoons are either. No, possums are the only American marsupial. Yeah. I, my brain just puts like all of those forms of rodent in the marsupial category, You're just though. like, all large rodentia or marsupials in my brain. I don't know why. <laughs> I didn't realize that until I said marsupial, and I was like, that was a bad word choice, but it's what my brain supplied. But yeah, Rocky and Bullwinkle are prepping for the contest. Bullwinkle has to have a sous chef for this stage of the contest. Yes. But Rocky would rather be a cheerleader than a sous chef. Yeah, he wants to support him from the sidelines. To the degree that he calls in a bunch of cheerleaders to do a performance. To be fair, this cheer has a bunch of moments where they're like, it's Bullwinkle. Yeah. And then they're like, M-O-O-S-E. What does that spell? And Bullwinkle goes... Bullwinkle. And then Rocky goes, no, moose. But Bullwinkle's like, beg to differ. Yeah, but Bullwinkle just calls Rocky out. He's like, there's some other reason that you don't want to do this. And Rocky's like, that's deep character lore, basically, that I'm not share- that I'm not ready to share. Imagine we've been friends for this long and, and I haven't shared a deeply traumatizing secret with you. That's so unlikely. Yeah. But he has the cheerleaders leave. And as they're leaving, Rocky's just like, you guys were a bit late on those flips there. We then cut to Agent 1, who is- And the cheerleaders, Hmm. sadly, cartwheeled out of the room. You're right. That's that's worth pointing out. It's a good They cartwheeled in, and they sadly cartwheel out. Agent 1 is then at Shish headquarters giving a presentation- On Rocky and Bullwinkle to his boss, the director. Yeah, and all of the agents besides the director are just like, okay, they seem fine. Like, Pretty they're sure just... they're just normal talking animals. Like... Yeah, they seem kind of dumb. And the boss is like, no, these are obviously criminal masterminds. Despite all the evidence, the evidence being so benign actually proves that they're criminal masterminds. I need to take it to Paris now. So the spies, Boris and Natasha, mm-hmm. then dig themselves out of their tunnel mm-hmm. in the middle of the catacomb, scaring a bunch of tourists who think it's skeletons coming back to life. Yeah. And then they get a call from Fearless Leader, and Natasha tells Boris to make it seem like everything's fine and that they're definitely not handcuffed together. And Fearless Leader's like, look, Natasha, you stay in Paris, deal with the Rocky well, and Bullwinkle situation. I, I was going to point out that the first thing boris does after agreeing to the plan is wave with his chained hand to fearless leader oh that's amazing i didn't catch that yeah so she yanks his arm down and pulls him closer to her so, so then the leader's like look the two of you together are accomplishing nothing natasha you stay in paris get that recipe from the moose and squirrel boris i need you back you're gonna help me build our new super weapon that we're gonna use the recipe with and the two start to panic and boris is like no but we work really well together we love working together it's this, great it's great this is the best we will we'll do this and for those leaders, like, and again, when he says like something along the lines of "we'll do this," he holds up the chain hand again and a thumbs up, and is, then has his arm yanked. And for those leaders, like, nothing else is going on, right? And they're like, no, no, no. We just think it's going to be a lot faster if we do this together. And the for those are like, oh, okay, well, he, well, he glares intensely at them, menacingly, and they're just like, oh, okay, if you say so. It's so great. Fearless Leader is the second best character behind the narrator, so which is great because they're both played by the same person. Fearless Leader is supposed to be like a pastiche of a, a, a like a pastiche of like a uh, incompetent but evil dictator. Well, like it's a comedic, it's a comedic pastiche of like a dictator like Stalin mm-hmm. or Mussolini or even a little Hitler. 
or even the portrayal that we have of Kim Jong-un and Kim Jong-il. Yeah, it's, it's that type of pastiche. Mm-hmm. But honestly, Fearless Leader is just a kid who like never had friends and was bullied. Yeah. And like he just wants people to like him. And so when his top spies were like, no, no, we, we really do enjoy working together. He's like, oh, that's nice. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Like, yeah. He's like, oh, I'm happy for you guys. It's good to see you guys getting along. I like both of you. It's nice to see that you guys can get along together. Maybe we can all hang out and have a pizza night. It's just the fact that he is incredibly wealthy and has internalized yeah. everybody not liking him to like make him a supervillain. So, you know. Like Elon Musk. <laughs> Musk is headed that way. And the more we make fun of him on X, the, the, sorry, Twitter. Yeah, it's uh, Twitter. The, Fuck him. The, the, more he, the more he's going to head that way. Yeah. So then we cut back to Rocky and Bullwinkle's competition, and we start the beginning of La Grande Yum Yum. Which is hosted by Gordon Ramsay. It's actually got a cameo from Gordon Ramsay in this show. I don't know if it's Gordon Ramsay's voice, though. It could just be someone doing a Gordon Ramsay impression. I don't know. I'm going to check right now, so fill okay. silence. It was, in fact, Gordon Ramsay playing Gordon Ramsay. That's ridiculous. I love it so much. Yeah. And, like, it, the best part is he's just making fun of himself. Yeah. Like, which, the whole thing is, like... I mean, he's proven time and time again that he can take the piss out of it. Well, also, like, we know that the Gordon Ramsay on Hill's Kitchen is... A cranked up version of Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. it's... Point in case, watch any interaction he ever has with a child in any of those cooking shows. Or even, like, Next Level Kitchen, he's not that guy. Next Level Kitchen? I mean, hell, even, like, Kitchen Nightmares, most of the time, he's not that guy. Or the hotel one he did. Like, Mm -hmm. Though, I mean, arguably, those shows would seemingly have done more damage than good, but... (laughs) But, yeah, like, Ramsey isn't the character that people, like... He's not the Hell's Kitchen Gordon Ramsey. That's a character. He is a human being Mm -hmm. with... He just has high standards in food when people are professional chefs yeah which is understandable well yeah like if you're a professional you should probably be at least like good competent yeah yeah Um, but yeah it was it's but anyway so he introduces the grand yum yum there's big fireworks going off and then we start the competition which the first event is a weird catwalk strut that they have to do for some reason the best part is the show's narrator is also the narrator for yes and it's 10 chefs are competing to become master yum yum and yep. the first time the narrator takes that take gordon's like mm, really you're gonna go with that one that 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 low energy come on give it more it's so good so the narrator does the line again but this time with more energy rocky is more nervous because of gordon ramsay and the mm-hmm. large crowd and he's and, frozen up so when they have to do the catwalk he freezes on stage and gordon grabs them and just pulls them both out onto the stage and bullwinkle's fine that he's starting to walk but rocky has frozen up and ends up like having a panic attack tasmanian deviling himself through the floor well yes but so he's having a panic attack and bullwinkle's like come on rocky let's do this to which Gordon steps in and stops Bullwinkle. He's like, Bullwinkle, calm down. He's having a panic attack. He's like, Rocky, what can we do? Are you going to be okay, basically? And then Rocky, Tasmanian Devils, through the floor. I love that Gordon Ramsay is Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. Ah, I love it so much. And then we get a commercial, some important messages, which features Rocky and Bullwinkle texting important messages back and forth. Yes. And then we're back to the show. And it's time for a flashback. Yes. Which is diegetic to the show because... Yeah. Bullwinkle is like, wait, what's going on? And Rocky's like, oh, it's just a flashback. Don't worry. And then they fade out. Into yep. But Rocky tells Bullwinkle how he first got stage fright. And how it happened is Rocky used to sing opera. Well, he used to do child like talent shows and pageants mm-hmm. because his go-to was singing opera. 
And it was during one of these talent shows where he w- where people were expecting him to perform the best he'd ever done. It was a very important talent show. When everything went wrong, he the hit, Fire Nation attacked. He hit puberty. His yep. voice cracked on stage in the middle of a solo. And everyone booed him and started throwing things. And then we come out of the flashback and Bullwinkle goes, how'd you do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Bullwinkle decides, oh, it's fine. I'll help cure your stage fright. And Rocky's like, in the next... Uh, and then he like says like 20 minutes or something he's referring it seems he's referring to what's left in the time show well the it's show. because they have 20 minutes left yeah before they have to be back for because this the, the contest has been halted so they can repair the stage that's yes. what that's what the reason is simultaneously while this is going on boris and natasha are trying to break the chain that has them handcuffed together yes and so they're at a pair of train tracks and Boris is standing in the middle of the tracks. Natasha's standing off the tracks and they have the chain lane where the mm-hmm. train's going to run over it. And Boris is just like, this is a great idea. These chains will come off in no time. And he's like, wait, but I'm going to get by the train. And she's like, eh, no loss. And he's like, no, 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 no. We should switch places. And she's like, okay, you want to switch places? So she starts to turn around and he walks past her. And now he's on the second train tracks. And then he's like, wait. And then a train hits him. And, and instead of breaking the, the handcuff, it just pulls them both along. Well, instead of breaking the handcuffs, we see Natasha standing there. She's like, oh, not my best idea. And she gets pulled along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then Bullwinkle attempts to de-traumatize Rocky by having Rocky cook in front of puppets. Yes. And, and this- at first, the puppets are all like, oh, great job. You're doing great. And, like, Bullwinkle's controlling them. He's doing kind of poor at first, but then he gets better. Then he gets better. And as he gets better, the puppets get less and less polite. Because eventually the puppets gain a mind of their own and and start throwing fruit and stuff. Yeah. At and Rocky's Rocky. like, "How are you doing this?" And Bob was like, "I lost control." And we see him holding the I don't know what you call the wooden bits at the top of a puppet, but he's holding those, and the strings are all tangled up, and he's tangled up in the strings. And he's like, "Run!" And the puppets start chasing them. Yes. Um. So that doesn't work. We then cut back to Shush director Peach Fuzz. That's mm-hmm. her name, and she has made her way to Paris and is searching Rocky and Bullwinkle's room. Yeah, and honestly. I assume that's not, this isn't supposed to be the case, but she reads like every U.S. cop ever. Um, There's the slightest movement, she shoots at it. There's the slightest sound, she shoots at it. She reads like she is just a case of nerves and PTSD on a hair trigger. I think that's how she's supposed to read. I know, but I I don't believe it was supposed to remind me so much of cops, but I mean. eh. She eventually does find the note from Mama Granwinkle. And thinks it's a coded message. Yes, so she needs a plane to Norway right now. So we then come back to Rocky and Bullwinkle, and Rocky's like, look, there's nothing. nothing's going to work. I'm never going to get over this. We had to get rid of the entire audience before I could do this. And Bullwinkle goes, I have an idea. Say th- well, he goes, say that again, and then we get the whole classic yeah, bit of say that again, saying the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing, and then eventually getting the right thing. And he's like, before the crowd has to disappear, or something along those lines. And he decides to put a blindfold on Rocky. Yep. So the narrator reintroduces the Grand Yum Yum. Bullwinkle has pulled Rocky's goggles down. He reintroduces down. the Grand Yum Yum. Fireworks go off. They're not fireworky enough for Gordon. He oh, demands yes. more. And then the fireworks are so large, they blow through the roof of the Grand Yum Yum Stadium. So... Here's the cooking part of the competition, and Bullwinkle has pulled Rocky's goggles down over his face and mm-hmm. collared them over so he can't see the audience. Yes. Simultaneously, the spies have made a new idea to take a picture of Rocky, sorry, of Bullwinkle with an x-ray camera, a super x-ray camera, as they mm-hmm. said. And then just use that to get the recipe. Doing this, there's a bunch of gags with Natasha dragging Boris across the scaffolding and up a ladder. and Yeah, because they go up a catwalk, and Boris is just like, why? And she says, for the fun of it. 
Mm-hmm. Or something was like, like, what's so fun about it? And as she climbs up, she's just dragging him face first into every rung. And she's like, that's fun. And then they do manage to like drop the camera down and x-ray mm-hmm. Bullwinkle's head. But it just has a tumbleweed blowing through it. Yep. Uh, then Bullwinkle asks Rocky to grab an egg beater because this first part, only three chefs can make it through to the finals where they can make their own signature dish. But before that, they all have to make a, I don't remember what it is. It's a very fancy dish. Yeah. And it's actually all an actual dish. Yeah. It's very, it's a very much like a dish that would be a test dish in Hell's Kitchen that you mm-hmm. have to. Like, I'm not going to lie. As most cartoons go, I expected it to be some dumb over the top, not actual real thing. It's like, no, everything you said, that's an actual dish. I don't remember what it was, but I remember in the moment being like, oh, shit mm-hmm. they make an actual food he needs the whisk to make hollandaise yeah to it, use the to whisk the eggs up into a hollandaise mm-hmm. but rocky is blind he, he can't see so he, he goes to grab the whisk but instead steps onto a rolling cart that that somebody in the kitchen is pushing around well so he asks bullwinkle where it is mm-hmm. bullwinkle picks him up sets him on the counter and says it's just at the end of the counter go get it and pushes him off rocky walks 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 steps onto i don't know what you call it which when it's just on the surface but as equivocally a lazy susan spins around walks off the other end and as he goes to step off the counter steps onto a rolling cart and then from the rolling cart onto another counter. long counter and that long counter ends in a pizza oven and so bullwinkle who is rushing to finish his dish Finally sees that Rocky's about to walk into a pizza oven, mm-hmm. saves him at the very last second. Bullwinkle then takes off the goggles off Rocky. Because he still needs a blender and he doesn't have one. And so he uses his friend's trauma to turn him into the Tasmanian devil where he goes spins yep, rapidly. And, and uses him to finish making the hollandaise sauce. For the chicken. He does this because he's in such a rush because two other chefs have already passed. So and, he needs to be the third. And this does help him pass the first round of the league round. Yum, yum. And now he is qualified for the finals, which are in Prague, mm-hmm. which if you remember from episode one, is where that pie bl- blew up in the sky and killed Rocky. Yeah. Also, um, so then Natasha and Boris fall, the catwalk breaks, they hit a pipe, and eventually the handcuffs break and they fall again. Mm-hmm. After the after they qualify for the finals in Prague, mm-hmm. Bullwinkle goes, oh, I don't have any more of the secret ingredient for the pie. I'll have to call Grandma Winkle. Mm-hmm. And when he calls Grandma Winkle and he's like, I need more stuff for the you know what in three days. And director Peach Fuzz has tapped his phone and overhears yeah. this. This is when she decides she needs a plane to Norway. And she assumes that it's a plot. Yeah, she needs- assumes it's a secret code because Graham Gibbons has like, oh, you'll just have to come get it, you know. Yeah. Where? And that's the end of episode two. Yes. That's the end of the first two episodes of The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle 2018. Justice, what are your thoughts? I enjoyed the Ramsey bits. I enjoyed the narrator introduction with the Ramsey bits. Other than that, I still am of a very much similar opinion to episode one. Mm-hmm. It's just not the right energy or vibe for me, but I don't think it's a bad cartoon, but no. I don't think it's great either. It's no. very middling. It is disappointing that it only got two seasons because I'm, I, I feel like the team behind this could have done a lot of good, a lot of cool stuff with the show. Yeah, I think there was room to go with it. I just, yeah, I definitely think there's room to grow with it, and I think they have things they could do with it. And also, getting Gordon Ramsay as a guest star this early in the series, oh, yeah, double up, oh, oh, Jesus Christ, dude, I love Gordon. His Ramsay. hair was so large and poofy. <laughs> it was, um, but yeah, I the show's fun. That that's what I'll say. I I don't know if like I would ever watch this actively yeah but it's fun and like sometimes you just want a fun show i can see that um as far as it goes with what i know of rocky and bullwinkle and whether or not this show reflects that 
I think it does, from what I know of them, because they always were kind of a eventually I dumb assume it, kind of um, looking into things type of yeah, duo. And I eventually, I assume eventually in this show, they are going to be recruited into Shush because yeah. that is kind of like their primary story is like their secret spies. Yeah. Dundering secret spies. Yeah. Uh, Pink Panther-esque almost. Yeah, but Pink Panther's fun. And probably slightly more efficient, mm-hmm. but dumb. But um, uh, but anyways. Also, I think he's an art thief, not a. Yeah, I mean, it depends on whether we're talking about Pink Panther, Steve Martin, or Pink Panther cartoon. Fair enough. Um, but no, like show's good. I enjoyed it. That said, this is coming out the day Gen Con officially starts. If you have a trade day pass, or the day before the start of Gen Con for everybody else, including us. That said, if you're going to be at Gen Con, we will be there. I won't promise you'll be able to find us, but if you harass me, I harass you back we do have a twitter you can you can hit us up on you we have an email we'll get to all that in a second but also system mastery is a bunch of events and i know that's not our show but you should definitely check out those events in fact you should just check out like any one shot event anything being hosted by simon and schuster or one shot or system mastery check it out because yeah. all the simon and schuster stuff at gen con is system mastery related or one shot related or one shot related and one shot has a brilliant catalog of, of podcasts, including mm-hmm. System Mastery. Yes, yeah, System Mastery is part of the One Shot Podcast Network. And System Mastery is doing a live podcast episode where they're reviewing mm-hmm. the Adventures of Rocky Bull Wrinkle RPG. They're doing Quiz to Mastery, which is just a fun audience interactive well, it's quiz actually, about... It's just called the RPG Game Show now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Quiz to Mastery before, but it is the RPG Game Show now. Yes, you're correct. They're doing a panel on how to like get your non-gaming friends into board games. Mm-hmm. That is technically the Simon & Schuster panel, which they're doing with James, James Giamato. Giamato, the head of the One Shot Podcast network and, and host of of skyjacks a great great ttrpg actual play mm-hmm. and he was the former host of the one shot podcast now moving out of that role for life reasons but great backlog of him with a bunch of guests playing a variety of different rpgs look i've said it before but we we didn't start podcasting because of system mastery but our format is very much based off of the system mastery format yeah, kind of. And like, honestly, it's because they make the best podcast. It is the one I'm looking forward to the most. Anytime in my podcast feed, I get an update from System Mastery, whether it be about System Mastery, Expounded Universe. Which is their Star Wars Expanded Universe podcast. Yes. Or Movie Mastery, TV Mastery, or an Afterthought, whatever it may be. Oh, it's a good time. Yeah. So this is just me hyping that show up. I'm assuming that everybody who listens to us already probably listens to System Mastery. Crossover is probably pretty high. I guess it's not 100% because I actually know people that don't listen to System Mastery that listen to us. Yeah. But if you're going to be at Gen Con, do that stuff. If you do that stuff, you will see us. Maybe. But thanks for listening. Thanks for flying with us. If you want to contact us directly so you can harass us at Gen Con or just to tell us your thoughts on Rocky and Bullwinkle or the Eldritch Monstrosity that is Blue's Clues. Or anything else, really. You can do all of that by, by emailing us at copilotsreview at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us on Twitter. I think you have to nope. I think you have to X, X us on X now. Yeah, no. Um, it's still Twitter. It's not going to not be Twitter. Elon's dumb and we're going to ignore him. You can find us on Twitter at copilotsreview. Which is also our handle for Hive. And, and threads? We, we don't have a threads yet. We don't have a threads yet. We should. Eh, maybe. Who cares? We don't have a blue sky yet either because we're not important. Maybe we can get a, a blue sky link from System Mastery if we beg. <laughs> I don't want one, though. I don't uh, like social media. Yeah, that's been that's probably one of our biggest downfalls. Anyways, feel free to reach out to us. All those links are also on our website at copilotsreview.simplecast.com. Thank you for flying with us, and please fly again soon. <laughs> <laughs>